Hey everybody, Paul Oren of TheVictoryBell.com here, and I just want to apologize for the audio quality of this episode of the podcast. My USB drives have been shot on my laptop for the last several days, and I am not able to use my studio microphone for this podcast. So you're going to hear me sounding like I'm in a little bit of a tunnel, like it sounds like right now. Uh, so I apologize for that. I'm going to get this fixed, and the next episode that I have will be uh, back to normal from what I hope. So without further ado, here is the latest episode of the Victory Bell, the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Victory Bell, the podcast. I'm your host, Paul Oren, the founder and editor of thevictorybell.com, and you're tuned into a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso University Athletics. Thrilled to have you here today, and I'd be thrilled if you're not a subscriber already to please go to thevictorybell.com. It's a website slash newsletter, which will bring you a bunch of content about Valparaiso University. It's a passion to put out. It's $5 a month, $49.99 for the year. Got a lot of great stuff there. Paid subscribers get access to everything. Got some season preview stories coming out about men's and women's basketball later on this week. Uh, Some columns, some different thoughts that I have going into the season I'll share with you. A big soccer match coming up on Thursday. Uh, Valpo soccer team is going to be taking on Murray State in the Missouri Valley Conference semifinals. And we'll be talking about women's soccer a little bit later on in the podcast. Got a big group joining senior defender Nicole Norfolk, junior goalkeeper Nikki Coriel, sophomore forward Addie Joyner, and freshman midfielder Molly O'Rear are joining the pod a little bit later on to to take us through their season a little bit, take us through the emotion of winning the conference championship, kind of what they're looking for. Uh, In interest of full disclosure, it's about 11.30 Central on Sunday night right now, p.m., that I'm recording this. I talked to those four women middle of last week. Um, Tuesday, I spoke to all of them. And then Wednesday, I was out of town. I had a chance to go to Washington, D.C. for a journalism conference had a great time in the nation's capital. Got to walk around, got to see some uh, some good sights. Uh, got to sit in on a panel uh, or a, a keynote, I guess, along with about a thousand of my friends of uh, Woodward and Bernstein. Got a chance to hear those two gentlemen talk about uh, their experiences 50 years ago with Watergate. Had a blast, uh, kind of hearing that a little bit, and then just got to uh, got to do some fun stuff in D.C. Took a very 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 early morning flight back Saturday morning to arrive at the Athletics Recreation Center in time for a doubleheader between for the Valpo men's basketball team and the volleyball team. Got a chance to watch the Valpo men's basketball team knock off Cedarville, which we'll talk about obviously here in a little bit. Uh, Knocked off Cedarville 83-79 and then watched as the Valpo volleyball team swept Indiana State in a uh, in a in a good match there, and I'll have some more on on that match at thevictorybell.com a little bit later on this week as well. Did not get much chance to do anything with football, given the fact that I was out of town. I didn't get a chance to sit down and and, and chat with Landon ahead of the game, and uh, and they were at Dayton, and it was kind of one of those things that I was following along the game. It was happening at the same time as the basketball team, uh, but I didn't get to watch the game. I'll go back through and, and, and I'll kind of do a rewatch of that later this week and have a chance to sit down with Landon and kind of discuss kind of big thoughts going into the weekend as Valpo is going to host St. Thomas, PFL leading St. Thomas in a game that really will kind of, uh, you know, this Valpo sits four and four right now, I believe, and trying to figure out kind of where where's this season going? Um, you know, you, you want to finish in the top half of the conference. This team's got the talent to do that. Big game against St. Thomas at home, which is looking like the uh, creme de la creme of the PFL. If Valpo can get that game, they've got some momentum going into the last couple games of the season. So we'll, we'll do more with football a little bit later on in the week. Um, obviously, right now, what we want to do here is uh, is talk about basketball, and then we're going to get into soccer a little bit later on in the podcast. So stick around for the conversation with those four women about Valpo women's soccer, which has been amazing so far, uh, their journey, how they got to, uh, you know, the pick to finish first and, and, and finish first. And now the second season begins on Thursday with a match against Murray State. The uh, the other match that will be going on at, at Brown Field at 3 o'clock uh, will be Missouri State and Northern Iowa. That match will, uh, will, the winner of that will play in the championship match on Sunday at Brown Field. 
and it will be against either Valpo or Murray State. So whether Valpo wins or loses, there's still going to be three soccer matches in Valpo this weekend. Should be a, uh, a, a just a great atmosphere, great experience there. Let's shift gears now to the men's basketball exhibition. And I will have on the podcast a little bit later on this week, Valpo play-by-play announcer Todd Eichau will stop by for an episode of Over-Unders, where we go through the roster again and kind of pick a fun statistical metric, and, and we'll use it to tap into Todd's uh, expertise as it comes to Valpo basketball. He wasn't at the exhibition game. I was. So I will take you through what I saw, a couple of thoughts here. And, and obviously, I, I was there. I wrote a, a big game story at thevictorybell.com. And please, again, go there and subscribe if you haven't already. If you're this far into the podcast, I imagine you probably do subscribe, um, but 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 throw five bucks down or $49.99 for the entire year. I appreciate it. Okay, <clears throat> clearing my throat here. Valpo against Cedarville. I, I, I wrote in the story, I said that there were just enough moments to make you think that this team has got a lot of talent on it and it can it can compete in the top half of the Missouri Valley Conference. And then there were just enough moments where it looked like this team is going to plummet toward the bottom. Obviously, they jumped out to a 17-point lead in the first half. And then Cedarville went to work and, and chipped away at it a little bit. Valpo ran it back up to an 18-point lead in the second half. And then Cedarville chipped away and chipped away and chipped away. And it was one of those situations, I think if you, if you look at the box score and you didn't watch the game, or you, or you didn't, and you couldn't watch the game because of the fact that it wasn't streamed because it's an exhibition game. <clears throat> it's one of those situations where if you just look at the box score, you you probably are like, well, wait a minute, Valpo only won by four. What what's going on? But if you watch the game, it really did feel like it was one of those things where like the game was over. You know, like Valpo's up by eighteen. They're 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 rolling, and 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 the game's kind of over. And then suddenly it wasn't. You know, it was 58 to 40. Cam Palesi. I thought it was Palesi. I think John Bowker was saying Palesa. I'll have to check with Cam on, on the actual pronunciation of his name. But he made a name for himself. And made all four of his shots. Got 10 points. Looked good while he was out there. Looks like he can be a scorer off the bench. He scored five straight points. Um, at our, starting around the 13-minute mark. Valpo was up. Uh, 53-40, up by 13. He hits a jumper uh, in the paint. It was a really nice-looking shot. Maximus Nelson, the freshman, comes down, blocks a shot, gets the rebound, passes ahead to uh, to Cam, who hits a transit fast-break three-pointer. Valpo's up 18. It's huge. And, and, and you know, and, and then uh, Sipple makes a dunk for them, and Maximus comes down and scores a layup inside. Looks good. Again, up 18. Go into a media timeout. And now you're at the 10-minute mark. Game's over, right? I mean, the starters can basically be done because you, uh, you, you know, you're, you're, you're good. Um, they put, um, they did put a meal back in the game as Jerome had been playing a lot in that situation. Uh, a foul on a meal, um, on a, on a putback or on a jumper, excuse me. And then, uh, then a couple three pointers and suddenly now, you know, back to back to back three pointers that it was a, it was a 17 point lead. Cam had scored again back-to-back-to-back three-pointers, and all of a sudden it's an eight-point game. I mean, the lead is cut in half in like a minute. And so now the starters go back in the game. And, you know, Quinton misses a three-pointer, Kobe misses a three-pointer, and uh, and and here come some other three-pointers from Cedarville. They, they wouldn't stop making threes. And, you know, even even with, uh, with six minutes left with the starters out there, you know, a couple of free throws, Kobe makes a few of them, Nick makes a couple of them. They're up 11 with five minutes left. And and then they just kept chipping away and making shots. You know, Wishman hits a three-pointer. Rogers hits a three-pointer. Malmer hits a three-pointer. And they, they were unconscious from the three-point line. They didn't miss, it felt like. And, and soon enough, it's a two-point game in the final minute. And then you give a lot of credit to Kobe King, makes a big shot, gets a steal right after that. Um, look like the game is iced again. Preston misses a free throw, and uh, and and on the other end, um, you know, a couple of a uh, couple of and, and, and excuse me. Then 
Preston misses a free throw and then compounds that mistake by fouling a shooter on a three-point shot from the corner when Valpo was up four, and the guy hits two of the three free throws, and Nick Edwards then, Cricky inbounds the ball. Edwards is standing out of bounds, basically, when he inbounds the ball, and uh, and the momentum of the pass kind of carried Edwards out of, out of bounds. So now here comes Cedarville with a chance to win the game, and Malmer takes a three from the top of the key. Actually got a good look because it looked like uh, Preston stumbled uh, coming off a screen and kind of lost his footing, and it was a good look. And it, it, it didn't go down, and Wishman got the rebound and tried to put it back up, and, and the scrum couldn't get really a good look, and, and Valpo gets uh, two free throws from Kobe King at the end to extend it to four points. That's what happened. Um, and, and, and again, I'll tell you that in a, in a moment, it felt like the game was over. They're up 18. And it was like guys are like, you know, checking. You know, I, I remember one point, I think, when Drome checked out, uh, up 18 when Emil came in, there was a lot of that applause from the crowd, like, hey, you did a good job, maybe you're done for the day kind of thing. And, um, yeah, it, uh, Cedarville shot their way back into the game. They took 35 three-pointers, and they hit 35% of them. So, um, you know, look, Valpo should have won that game. But here's a Cedarville team that lost five 1,000-point scores from last season's team, including Quinton Green, who is uh, is at Valpo and and Quinton started and and played well at stretches, hit a couple of three pointers. Looks like he's going to be a guy that can do a little bit of everything out there. Um, I, you know, I thought there were times when, you know, obviously he's got some emotions playing against them. Uh, you know, he he's going to be unfairly compared to Kevion Taylor, I think, and uh, they're different players, obviously. Uh, but Kevion Taylor, kind of that, you know, a guy who took his COVID year to come in and and say, I'm going to give it a go at a D1 level. Quinton Green, again, kind of similar, um, but different, different players. I like Nick Edwards a lot. I think Nick, Nick had in 24 minutes, had six points, six rebounds, four assists. He did miss six shots, but I, I, liked, I liked the way that he was kind of getting Valpo into the offense, moving the ball around a little bit. I thought he played well. I, I, I'm, I, I saw enough from Nick Edwards in that exhibition game to be really intrigued about you know, what he's going to bring to the table going forward. Uh, ben Cricky and Kobe King, they, they, they were who they are, especially Ben Cricky. Ben Cricky looked dominant out there, and he should be. He should look dominant against you know a lower-level team. 25 points, 13 rebounds, 4 assists, a block shot, and maybe for the first time in his four years, maybe for the first time, I saw a guy who basically was saying, give me the ball or, you know, it's, it's not necessarily, it's my team, but maybe it's my team. You know, I, it was, it was the most Peters esque performance I've seen, but just from a, from a composure body language standpoint, all of that, like Cricky's good. He knows he's good. He knows he's put in the time. He worked all summer on, in, improving his three-point shot. He knocked down a bunch of them, uh, you know, three of six. He was he knocked down four all of last season. Uh, if, if he can hit threes at this rate, I mean, obviously shooting 50% is, is not going to be sustainable for him. But if he can knock down a couple threes a game, that's going to open up so much for him and for the rest of the team. That was a really big positive. I thought that was a really big positive. Another big positive I thought was, again, Cam uh, coming off the bench, Scoring 10 points. I thought Jerome Palm looked good at times. I thought uh, Maximus Nelson had a couple of moments as well. Um, I think that some questions about are, are, who's going to play the five. Who's going to be the starting five? Emil, um, you know, he missed four shots, had three fouls in 11 minutes. He's, you know, he's he's an experienced guy. He knows the system. He knows what Valpo's doing. Um, don't necessarily know that it was the most complete performance, right? Um and then Joe Hedstrom in 11 minutes, he, he made a couple of shots, had a couple of rebounds, had a turnover, had a foul. I thought that Joe, you know, he, when he's out there, he's just so tall. You just, just get it to him and just let him put it in. Just let him finish. Get, get him. And, and this is all, again, if Ben can do what he's doing and he can play a two-man game inside and get the ball into a big guy like Joe, 
but I thought that Jerome probably out of out of the three of them probably played the best. He, he clearly he played the most. He played 18 minutes. He scored seven points. He had five rebounds. I think as and he knocked out a three. Now he took a three. Hedstrom took a three. Emil took a three. Everybody on the team took a three except for Darius. Um, and seven different guys. Excuse me, five different guys hit three pointers. Um, uh, you know, I I think I think I would give the center position kind of an incomplete after that game, but I'm intrigued to see how these things go. You know, what I'm also kind of intrigued by is is rotation. I mean, how many guys can you can you play? Now, this is where I think the reason why Valpo was in a more of a dogfight, and and I'll point out to this too. I I don't think that he'd have a problem with me mentioning this because he put it out on Twitter. Uh, you know, I had stated that, you know, I actually had Trevor Anderson, who played on Valpo's team last year, had p- put some thoughts out on Twitter during the game about, um, you know, how about you get up 30 and then you play a bunch of guys. Well, I think this is exactly what exhibition games are for, is trying to get, first of all, some guys some experience and trying to figure out maybe who your top eight are. And I was having some conversations with some people about this, about, about, well, you know, this is what you use these exhibition games for. And, and someone who's who's got a lot of college basketball experience kind of said, you should have that figured out in the summer. Like You should know after op- a summer of open gyms and a few practice and a couple of weeks of practice, you should know who your top guys are. And, uh, and, and, and look, yeah, I don't disagree, but I will tell you that Nick Edwards has barely practiced for Valpo. Kobe and Cam were both in concussion protocol, or at least whatever version of that is in college. I know they both kind of bang their heads in, uh, in a practice. Um, you know, Preston has been in and out of practice with a litany of things that he's had going on, including a shoulder, which has been problematic for him. Um, you know, and, and that, so that's just been the ones that I know about and, uh, and, and the ones that have kind of been publicly stated out there. Not to, to mention, Connor Barrett has been out with a, a litany of things, including a knee, which has kept him out and has sidelined him. Um, you know, and, and I'm starting to wonder, like, is, are we ever going to see the promise from, the, from Connor Barrett that he showed his freshman year when I thought that this guy could really be an excellent building block for the future at Valpo with his ability to knock down threes and space the floor. I really, really liked what he brought to it, albeit a very odd COVID year. I thought that Connor showed a lot, and, and I just I don't know when he'll be back. And and, uh, and and it's just a lot going on with the knee and and, and whatever. Um, and then Ibra Bayou, the freshman, who wasn't even a part of all those open gyms during the summer because he didn't sign till late, Here's another guy I think they're very high on that um, he's just had double hernia surgery. And he's expected to be back sooner rather than later, I think. But, um, you know, the, I mean, they don't know. They, they think they like him a lot, as far as I know. And we'll talk much more about all this with Todd Eichau, uh later on in the week when we go through the roster and kind of go through expectations for, for different guys. So I think for the exhibition game, and again, I understand what Trevor was saying to me on Twitter. Uh, if you guys still go to Twitter, if that's still a website that's in your bookmarks, uh, uh, based on all of the stuff that's going on around Twitter as of late. But um, you know, again, he he said, "Hey, look, you gotta you play your top guys, and then and then get up thirty, and then put the rest of the guys in." Well, who's the top eight right now, and who's the rest of the guys? And so I think it'll be interesting. Obviously, this is what exhibition games are for. This is what non-conference games are for, to gear you toward the conference of knowing what your rotation is at that point. Uh, you know, what are we gonna what are we gonna see from a guy like Cam, who scored ten points in thirteen minutes? I mean, is he is he a guy? Is he gonna be the first guard off the bench? What about Preston and Darius? Who's gonna play out of that group? Because Nick Edwards looks like he's gonna be entrenched as a starting point guard. So. I mean, is Preston the first guy off the bench? Is Darius the first guy off the bench? You know, someone's going to get hurt. And so you got to get some experience for some of these guys now when, you know, before the lights get too bright, you got to get this experience out there. And if you've got a three-headed monster at center, you've got Jerome and you've got Joe and you've got Emil, well, who's going to start? Who's going to be the backup? And is the third guy going to play? You want to see what they all got. You want to see who plays with who and so I think it was evident to me in watching the game, and, and Cedarville played really eight guys 
uh, significant minutes. It was it was apparent to me uh, that one team was was playing it like a real game. The other team was playing, you know, just wanting to get everybody out there, wanting to give everybody some experience. Um, that said, Valpo, Valpo should not be in a position where, you know, look, we talked about this last year with the exhibition games. Val, Valpo should put this team away. You know, they should have easily put this team away. Matt Loddick said in the press conference afterward that he expected, he thought they would. He was certain that they were going to blow it open. And it was, they were up 18. I mean, they had blown it open. And then, you know, back-to-back-to-back three-pointers, and all of a sudden Valpo finds themselves in a game, a game they probably thought was over, and uh, and, and, and then they, they hung on. Stepping back for a second, taking the 10,000-foot view on this, I've always, always, always been a fan of getting tested in games like this as opposed to playing exhibition games that do nothing for you. Like, I understand get up by 30. I do. When I was a student at Valpo, the, the, they, they would play, the team would play like, uh, like Trinity Select or Trinity International or whatever, play, play these teams and win like 115 to 40 or whatever, or play some all-star team or whatever. That, they used to be able to do that back then. I always loved it because it would be a way for former Valpo guys to come back. And uh, I don't know what you got out of that uh, in, in terms of, of, yeah, you got game experience a little bit, but did you get situation experience? Because you can't simulate, you know, what it's like to have to hit a shot late in a game. You can do it in practice, I guess, but can you do it in practice after you've gone through 39 minutes of an officiated game of, of, of the way on the stage that it's going to be on? So if anything... I, I think you got to take some good away from the fact that Valpo, despite the fact that they closed, that they, you know, not exactly great to blow that lead, closed it out at the end. Kobe with a nice turnaround shot in the lane, hit the spin move, put the shot up and in. Big, big shot with 35 seconds left. And then, you know, they, they held on. and But they also made some mistakes and some mistakes that they can learn from. You know, maybe next time you inbound the ball, you're not going to lead your guy out of bounds. Or, or maybe next time the guy's taking a corner three, you're not going to tackle the guy in the corner, you know? And and so there was some definitely some learning experiences, and that's what exhibition games are for. So uh, the really the result, other than what the outside world might think about it, you know, and, and trust me, if, if, if Apple had lost a third straight exhibition game, uh, yeah, that would have been a problem. But... Um, you chalk this up for some good experience for what it was, and you move on. Now, uh, there's been some rumblings about this, and and uh, I'm trying to get to the bottom of it all. I think I'm pretty close, but I'm I'm not 100% there. Um, no, Valpo did not participate in a secret scrimmage, um, at least not one that is the traditional secret scrimmage that they've done in the past where they went up against another division one basketball team that did not occur. I, what I can tell you, uh, and again, I don't have this all locked, uh, locked in. So I, there's some stuff I can't say, I suppose. Um, this is the, this is the difference in a reporter of knowing something or having it on the record, right? Um, Valpo certainly did have a exhibition game. They certainly did, spend time on the court against a different opponent and certainly did get a lot of value out of that experience. That's as much as I think I'm, I can, I can say without it getting it on the record, uh, you know, and, and I'm working on that. So, uh, and I'll, I can tell you that what they did do was really, really kind of excellent and awesome. Um, but not in the traditional sense of the secret scrimmages that are out there today. Women's basketball team did a pair of secret scrimmages. They did uh, a non-D1, and then they did a D1 opponent. And, um, you know, I, I know that the the first one, the non-D1, went pretty well. Uh, they got some great ex- experience out of that. Uh, don't know scores, don't really know stats. All I, you know, I got some inkling of what happened and then their other one was on Sunday was uh was on October 30th and uh you know I'm gonna release this on Monday so I I don't exactly I I haven't heard yet what occurred during that one but uh as far as I know that uh 
you know, that they've had two secret scrimmages, uh, which is, again, is they used to do an exhibition game as well. They, they, they stopped doing that. The secret scrimmages make more sense for Mary Evans, the way that she looks at, at going about things. And, and I'm curious to kind of ask her about that at some point. But uh, no, the Valpo men's team did not have a secret scrimmage as they normally have. They did have a scrimmage of some sort, and they got a lot of good out of it. And um, if I if I find that I can talk more about that, uh, I certainly will, if that makes sense. Um, because, again, uh, any reporter will tell you there's a lot of stuff that you know on the record, a lot of stuff you know off the record. Uh, and we'll leave it at that. Okay, so I don't want to get too much more into men's basketball yet, just because I'll have a podcast a little bit later on this week with Todd Eichau. Cannot wait to go through that. And I want to shift it over to this interview right now with these these four great women that I had a chance to talk to. Really excellent athletes. It's been such a fun journey covering the soccer team this season. They're a really great group. Um, I, you know, it's, it's fun covering a team like the men's basketball team where they're going to go into the year with, you know, kind of a, maybe a chip on their shoulder because of the expectations being probably lower than they thought they should be, um, you know, pick to finish ninth. And I'm sure that, you know, they, they, they're upset by that. I also think it's been just a blast covering a team that was picked to win the league had to walk around all year with that kind of bullseye on their back. And did, the season did not start well for them at all. Their non-conference was not very good. They went a long stretch without finding any kind of success. And, you know, suddenly now, I mean, they, they went from, on August 21st, they won their second game of the year, and they didn't have another victory until September 17th when conference play started. They, I mean, they went was it three, six matches without a win, and five of those were losses. And this is a team that that had high, high expectations. And then they rattled off three wins in a row. Then they had a loss and a tie. Then they rattled off three more wins and a tie. And then a, just a huge win against Indiana State and just a, a crazy scenario where Illinois State, with nothing to play for, knocked off Missouri State, allowing Valpo to win the league. And now that's why they're hosting. And so really fun, fun interview that I did here. I think you'll enjoy kind of getting to know uh, these four, uh, Nicole, Nikki, Addie, and Molly. Uh, been a pleasure to get to know them over the year, and it was really fun to chat with them on uh, on Zoom earlier this week. Just a good, good time. So I'm going to leave you with that interview. We'll be back later on this week for another episode of the Victory Bell, the podcast. And please go to thevictorybell.com, sign up. A lot of stuff, a lot of good coverage coming this week, a lot of stories. You won't want to miss any of them. Five bucks a month, $49.99 for the entire year, and uh, I, I thank you for that. So without further ado, here is a wonderful interview with four members of the Missouri Valley Conference regular season champion Valparaiso soccer team. What a crew we have here at the Victory Bell, the podcast. We have got a quartet of women from the Valpo soccer team, starting with senior Nicole Norfolk, junior Nikki Coriel, sophomore Addie Joyner and freshman Molly O'Rear. How are you guys today? Doing well, thanks. Uh, Nicole, I want to start with you. What's, uh, what's this been like? What's the buzz on campus been like in the last 48 hours since, uh, since uh, you guys won the conference championship? Yeah, it's been really exciting. Uh, I've had people, both professors, um, classmates, other athletes, different athletic trainers, so many different people congratulating um, me and the team, um, in addition to old teammates, getting texts, all that good stuff. So it's been really fun just to celebrate with everyone, um, knowing that, yeah, it wasn't just our team alone, but it's been everyone who's been here before us and all that good stuff. So it's been fun to connect with them again. Addie, you're from the region. Has there, have you felt any buzz in the region at all from the from maybe the local high school scene at all, kind of reaching out to you, congratulating you? 
Uh, yeah, I've definitely got a lot of text messages, even phone calls from like friends or like old coaches from high school from around here that are like congratulating me and like super proud of all of us. Molly, I know that I asked you this the other day when we did a kind of a one on one interview, but a couple of these women in the room have had to build their careers toward this moment. You just walk in and win. Like, how fair is that? They've obviously done the work to get us to this moment, but I'm happy to contribute in any way I can, but I know how much work they put into it in the last four years. Nikki, you've had an interesting career here. Your freshman year, you play for a conference championship last year, didn't go your way in the, the, the semifinals. Just you're back to that point again, to, to get to the conference tournament again, just first, second, third, fourth, just are you excited to be to this maybe second or third season of the year? Yeah, absolutely. It's really exciting. I mean, we've worked so hard to get to this point, but like, I think we're not, we're not done yet at all. Um, we have much bigger goals than uh, what we've already accomplished. So it's kind of one thing at a time, but we're, we're looking towards the next one. Now we want to have this feeling again. So. Nicole, you're from Wisconsin, as am I. So already a bond there. That's good. Uh, you're from Menominee Falls. There's uh, a player on Illinois State, Emily Ellert, who's from Menominee Falls, another player who went to DSHA, albeit she's a freshman goalkeeper who doesn't play. You went to DSHA. I got a lot of friends who went to DSHA when I was growing up. Uh, do, do you send a, a, a thank you card to any of these Illinois State players at all? I mean, have you have you reached out? This is really Nicole. This is for any of you guys. Yeah, I've I've talked with Emily Ehlert. Uh, she actually scored a header goal in the game, too, against Missouri State. Um, so I reached out to her. I sent her a nice big thank you. Um, and yeah, she was happy for us as a team that we were the ones who ended up finishing first. And they were happy that that was just a good way to end what was a tougher season for Illinois State. Um, so yeah, definitely reached out to her. She sent me the video of her goal. So it's fun. And we also played club soccer together. So it's fun to just stay in touch with some of those girls that I got to play club with and see how well they're doing in college as well. Did the rest of you, did you guys have any connections to Illinois State's team at all? Um, one, of their, one of the girls on their team played club with me and Lindsay and Sam. Her name's um, Christina Pop, Pop, I don't know how to say her last name, Papanatos or something. We call her KP. And so we definitely texted her a big thank you. And she was excited, the same thing Nicole said. But it was funny. She was like, we just went in and wanted to do everyone a favor so no one had to drive to Missouri State. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think many of us are very grateful for this. I can I can say that I would have made that drive to Missouri State, but I think uh, I mean I don't think I'd have been happy about it. Right? It would have been a long, long drive. Um, Molly, what was the approach going into Sunday? Right? Obviously, you guys have to win your game, and you were heavily favored against the side that uh, was was kind of struggling throughout the year, Indiana State. But soccer is soccer. You got to win the game. Were you thinking about scoreboard watching in any way, shape or form or kind of what was your approach? For me personally, I was not thinking about that other game whatsoever. I was kind of focused on doing our job and making sure we actually won because it was only one zero at halftime. So we did have our hands full with that game, but it never crossed my mind that Illinois State could be beating Missouri State at the same time. Like I never even thought about it. And I was so confused when I came off the field and everybody was like, in tears. So I, I was so confused. But then when I heard that, I honestly couldn't believe it. But for most part, I was just focused on the game at hand. Now, Nicole, you didn't play. We'll get to that in a little bit. Addie, you subbed out. You were in and out of the lineup. Molly, you came out after about 65 minutes or so. Nikki, you're out on the field the whole time. And I know you shared this with me kind of one-on-one, -on -one, but, but when did you find out that this was in play and how did that, did that do anything to your emotions when you were on the field? Yeah, I found out with, it was probably like less than five minutes left in our game. Andrea went down, uh, was injured. So she was getting um, looked at, but I came over the sideline to get water and Lindsay and Nicole are, were telling me the score of what was going on down in normal. And I was, I couldn't help but like just smile at myself and just walk back on the field. Like I, we, we, we still had a couple minutes left to go and had to see like how things turned out out there. But um, I would, it didn't change the mindset of how I was playing. I was just like kind of in disbelief, honestly. Nicole, you're like grinning ear to ear right now. When I imagine you found out at some point, I think you were, were you the only one on the, on the bench at the point out of the four of you that, that like, when did the word hit you? Yeah. Our athletic trainer, 
in two other previous games had looked up um, the scores of other teams that were playing to keep us in the loop. Um, but we would kind of keep it on the DL. And then she's like, you know what? I'm not going to look it up this time. Like we're just focusing on this game. She wasn't pulling out her phone. So like two people on the bench went and asked some other guy that was sitting near, he was like working for the university. I, I honestly don't know who it was. Um, but it was so funny because I was like one of the first people to know. So I got to watch like almost every person on the team's reaction of when they found out that Illinois state was winning. Uh, so it was, it was like so funny and just like so fun to get to see everyone's reaction, but also try to be like, okay, like let's focus on our game still. We got to finish this one out, but yeah, it was a fun moment for sure. So the, in the press box, the way this thing was going is we had, um, I had my computer up. I was very trying very hard not to get any NFL spoilers. I'm a Green Bay Packer fan back here, and I didn't want to know anything about that. And so I had on my computer, I had uh, the UIC SIU game up because that actually mattered to you guys, too. Right. Like if if things would not have gone your way against Indiana State, where you were going to finish, you almost might have lost out on the double buy, let alone a conference title. And so I had that one up. And then I had the Illinois State Missouri State game up and I had it up and Aaron Levitt, who does the scoring and is the SID and everything on the other side of the media press box, he had it up. And I guess I had faster internet than him because when they scored the first goal, I lurched forward and, uh, and then, but he got, he saw the second goal before I did. So then he started, he let out some sort of grunt that I've only heard from him uh, during a men's national team game when Landon Donovan scored like four seconds into a world cup match a long time ago. Um, and then I kept pleading with Illinois state to score a third goal. Um, and everyone told me I was insane. And then they got the third one. And I think I, I just like threw my sheets of paper. I was like, all right, this is it's special. But the, my favorite part was Aaron Levitt texting Bree down on the sideline. And so he texts her, and so she looks at her watch and I don't know if actually, if I should say this, maybe it's illegal to have uh, electronic uh, stuff on the sideline, but she looks at her watch and she gives us a look back and just shakes her head. And then the second goal, and then she looks back and has a big smile, but she told me after that she didn't tell John anything until Molly, you scored the goal. Um, so Nicole, what was this? Do you know, remember the score of your game when you found out what was going on? Oh, no, I don't. I, but it, I think there were, like 20 minutes left in the game. So yeah. probably like 3-0 at that point is my guess. And so Addie, I came down to the sideline because I wanted, I, I really, I came down to the sideline because I wanted to see if you guys knew and I wanted to see what was going on. And uh, you kind of ran over to me and said, do you know this is going on? And I just, I had to laugh because I'm like, yeah, I've been following it for an hour and a half. I do know. <laughs> But, but then you told me after the match, you said that everyone was trying to whisper and keep it quiet. Like, you, you can't keep that quiet, right? Yeah, I think um, Kylie tweeted, Kylie Dugan tweeted that good, bad news travels fast, but good news travels even faster. And that was so true because, like, it was, it was like, oh, like, this happened, but, like, okay, like, focus. Like, we have people playing right now. Like, we need to cheer them on and focus. But at the same time, like, I, I it was like a blur. Everyone's like, how much time's left in their game? Like, who knows what is it updated yet? Like, we were all trying to like keep up with that while also supporting everyone on the field. Uh, Nicole, you have played every match of your career up until late in the season. You got hurt. You were dressed for this one. I didn't know if you were going in or not. Was it? I mean, I, I imagine you're a competitor, so it's going to be hard not to play. But um, just what are the emotions that you had, kind of in the last couple of games, matches? not being able to be out there. Um, it's actually been a really good reminder to me for how grateful I am to be able to play the sport and how I do love it and enjoy playing it. Um, so that's, that's definitely been like a positive because of it. Um, but it's also been fun to cheer on different teammates, um, especially Emma has been stepping up huge. And so it's been fun because we've been training and working together so long being the same position. So it's cool seeing her um, yeah, just performing and really embracing the role that she's had to play in the past four games, which has been cool. Um, but then it's also been nice 
getting to spend time with people on the bench, being able to understand a little bit better where they, where they're coming from, um, how badly all of us, the other game, we were just talking, we're like, dang, we just want to like go slide tackle someone right now, or just go like run through someone or, you know? Um, so just being able to share in that and also just understand like different teammates perspectives a little bit better. Molly said to me after the Southern Illinois match, Molly, this is one of my favorite quotes I've ever gotten from a, a soccer player. I think you said, if we're not averaging one yellow card a game, what are we even doing out there? Uh, I thought it was great. I shared that with Aaron Levitt, who said, we're probably not going to win the fair play award this year. Um, Molly, you, I mean, you had four shots, three shots on goal. You're incredibly aggressive. Where does that come from? Where does, where does that kind of high energy motor come from? Honestly, I just, I, I don't know where it comes from, but I just try to do what I can do to help the team. And I know my role and all my teammates have helped me figure out my role throughout the season. And I guess that's just my style of play. It's all aggressive, all out, holding nothing back. And I'm probably going to run through someone throughout some sort of the game. It's going to happen. Yellow card's going to happen. But um, that's just the only way I know how to play. And that's how it's been ever since I started playing. Addie, you know, Molly just said a, a term that I think would apply to you about knowing a role. You have a very interesting role in that you come off the bench and you kill people when you get in the game, you score goals, right? Like you, you know, just like how, and not to make it uncomfortable, but like, how does that work? Right? Like, I mean, I would, I'd want to play 120 minutes if I was scoring a goal every three minutes I was out there. Like, how do you, how do you take that approach? Um, I think I just try to like focus on what I can control. I think like I can't control how many minutes I play. I can't control anything outside of like what I do whenever I go on the field and like the effort that I put in. So I just try to like pay attention whenever I'm out on the bench, like seeing like how Kelsey's doing with their center backs, how like how are their center backs reacting to her? What can I like, how can I break them down if I go in in that spot and just kind of um like how could we combine to beat them you just have to like observe from the bench and then go in and like give it your all and just think about nothing except trying to score a goal <laughs> nikki i want to ask you uh nicole brought up emma a little bit ago i thought emma saved a goal uh for you guys early in that match right there was i don't know what happened if you got just the ball pinballed around out there and emma kind of got in and i it looked for a split second like she was going to bend over and pick it up and then she remembered that she was playing soccer and she, you're not allowed to do that um what, what did you see on, on the kind of the beginning of that game where, I mean, Indiana State was a little aggressive at the beginning, it felt like? Yeah, they came out like Indiana State's always played us like that. Um, it's kind of a little in-state rivalry. They don't they don't particularly like us um, <laughs> or some people on our team like Lindsay, who always scores on them in overtime. Um, but, you know. It's just it's just fun to watch like our defenders go out there and like manage through that and how we work through that as a team like people are. You know, we were picked first. We won the regular season. People are going to come for us whenever they play us. So um, it's kind of something we've had to manage through and figure out how to deal with and like handling that pressure early. And I think like everyone has stepped up and done a great job. And like Emma coming in, I mean, I immediately after she saved that off the line, I'm, you know, giving her a pat on the back and a hug and saying thank you. So um, she stepped up in that moment and it was amazing. So. There was a reason why I wanted you four, because you are you represent each of the four classes that are here. And Nicole, I want to go back to you for a second. Um, you went two fifteen and one your freshman year. Uh, I knew a lot of the seniors on that team just from interactions in media and being around Maria. Um, one of them, uh, you know, I had a lot of conversations with about how hard that year was and how it felt like going up against a brick wall all the time. What did you learn from that season? Um, obviously it happened right before COVID. So it kind of rewired our brains, everything after that, but like your first taste of college soccer went probably about as poorly as it could have gone. What did you learn from that? What lessons kind of helped you get to the point you guys are today? Yeah, I think the major thing that sticks out is perseverance. Um, obviously it was definitely really tough losing 15 games and only winning two, but continuing to show up to keep working hard. And we ended up qualifying for the tournament that year despite how poorly the rest of the season did go um, and even that translates to this season our non-conference didn't exactly go the way that we wanted it this year either um, we didn't win a ton of our non-conference games but we still needed to persevere and push through conference and our heads easily could have gone down after non-conference didn't go the way that we wanted 
Um, so I think that's that's a big lesson that was learned from freshman year to now, like persevering throughout all of that. Um, you never know how things might turn out your way. So, yeah. Nikki, did you commit before COVID, after COVID, during COVID, or obviously not after COVID because it happened, but um, when, uh, and then you're joining a team that's coming off a rough year. What was your kind of approach to this all? Yeah, I I committed um, March of my junior year in high school. So a little bit um, before, um, you know, I coming in, like I, you know, knew what the record was. I knew what the last season was like. And to be honest, it, I just wanted to come in and like be able to have an impact and just do whatever I can to help the team. And like when I came on my visits, you don't, you don't find a program like this with people like this all the time. Um, so, you know, I'm just grateful to be able to play for a program like this and seeing the turnaround and like these seniors, all that they've done for the program over their four years, it's like pretty special to be a part of. Addie, did you really score 113 goals in high school? That's gotta be a typo. Yeah, I did. <laughs> How that's insane. Um, what do you remember about uh, about Valpo going to the NCAA tournament when you were younger? I mean, the April Cronin teams, I'd imagine. I think you would go to games a lot when you were younger. Yeah, I went to a lot of games when I was younger because I was good friends with coach's younger daughter, Casey. And um, I don't remember a whole lot because I think at that age, I was kind of just running around the bleachers, not paying attention a ton until the game was over and I could go run on the field. But I do, I, I remember them winning like certain games and I, it's kind of a blur, but I remember like the excitement and like, I wanted to go back and like yell and cheer and stuff like that. So yeah. <laughs> Molly, um, what's your favorite coach Maravich saying? <laughs> oh man. It's the freshman so, so you're the one you, you're the one who's gonna get in trouble if you you know I'm like the other one's gonna answer this too but I'm putting you on the spot man there are so many I gotta start writing them down to be honest but I guess my favorite just is when he started like he has such a calm demeanor when he's off the field and not coaching but then when he gets in the zone like he gets intense and my favorite is when he says let's step on their throats like he has the most competitive glint in his eye and I'm like all right Let's do this, but that's got to be my favorite. Addie, do you uh, you you have a particular fun moment with Coach Maravich that stands out, or a quote, or anything? I'm trying to think. Um, yesterday at practice, he told the whole story about um, Muhammad Ali and how the motivation for him is how someone stole his bicycle when he was younger, and so every time he steps in the ring, he's facing the guy who stole his bicycle, and he so he told us that story. Um, I'm not sure if coach is going to listen. Coach tells repeats stories a lot. So we've all heard that story before from him. So like, we all know where the story is going when he starts, but it's still a good motivation, but like, it makes us chuckle a little bit when he starts. He's like, you guys know Muhammad Ali? And we're like, yes. <laughs> Nicole, you've heard all of them, right? I mean, oh, burn yeah. the ships, bouncy ball, you, you know, all of these. Yeah. The one coming to mind was the whole bouncy ball one. That one. <laughs> Occasionally, we'll just be on an away trip and someone pulls out their bouncy ball and does the whole reenactment of when Coach did that. <laughs> this is when I would tell everyone listening to go to thevictorybell.com and read the article entitled Speech Play, in which uh, Georgia and Chase of the women's soccer team do a great job of telling the bouncy ball story and the uh, you're all part of the human body story. Um Nikki, coach gave a big speech before the Missouri State game about how everyone's an arm or a kidney or a leg or whatever. And then you guys didn't win that match. Like, does, does, do you tell them like, hey, maybe park that speech the next time you try to give that? That was an, that was an interesting one. I saw where he was going, but um, I don't know if he'll go back to that one. I think he'll stick with um, the bicycle one as motivation right now. Um, I like the bicycle one. I mean, you know, it works for me. It gets us going. We all like as many times as, you know, we may hear this, like coach really does have a way when he tells stories, like the way he looks at you and, you know, he'll stare someone down and be like, you stole my bicycle, like something like that. So uh, I don't know if we'll go back to the, to the human body one after, after Missouri state, maybe he will, maybe, maybe, you know, we'll get him again and he'll tell that one and it'll turn out a little differently for us. So. I know that you guys have, you know, a long way to go, 180 minutes to get to where you want to be. Um, 
I wanted to ask though, I mean, at least three of you, Molly, I'm sorry you sit this one out. Um, you guys were around last year for volleyball's run to the NIVC. And I can tell you that I've never seen crowds like that before. I've never felt energy like that before. Even, you know, maybe for some men's basketball games when they made their run. But, you know, were you guys inspired by what they did at all? I mean, imagine you guys are all close. You all have friends on each team and everything like that. Do, do you get motivation out of seeing other teams succeed? Absolutely. I think, like, you know, being able to go to that, to their NIVC run and go watch that, like, like you're right it was electric like you know you got the chills you get the goosebumps when you know they win a set and you know it was and seeing the crowd go wild after everything that happened like and being a part of that too and and getting the experience that alongside everyone else who was there um yeah it was really special and like I I want to be a part of that I want to like we want to make people excited about you know Valpo athletics and and coming to sporting events and putting on a good show really so um, you know, hopefully we're able to, you know, kind of stir some of that excitement around campus and, you know, maybe people will show out too and make it, uh, make it a great environment. Nicole, I want to ask you this. I, men's soccer went away. Was it, was your freshman year the final year that it was around? Yes. Yeah. Is there a responsibility that your team has for the great game of soccer on this campus now? Um, to some extent, yeah, just representing the game. I think um, it's definitely not as appreciated as it is in many other countries where it's kind of the number one sport. Uh, but I, I definitely think I've seen an increase in attendance um, or at least friends who've decided to come and watch um, or like, yeah, some of, a lot of the chemistry professors come and watch our games. And even if everyone doesn't exactly know what's all going on um they're learning and just it's a great way to support us so it's been fun to see just the many different people who are who are choosing to come out although we have lost my freshman year the men's soccer team their almost entire team would come to every one of our games and we would do the same for them so it was fun to have a team that understood like the game that you were playing um that was definitely cool to have them for at least the year that that they were there when i was Addie, have you felt school spirit here? I mean, again, you're you're pretty close. I mean, both you and, and Molly, you're pretty close removed from high school, right? Where where school spirit is such a big draw. Like, do you feel that at all at Valpo? Yeah, I think so. I think like like I think we try to go to a lot of other teams' games and like even like soccer is a really long game compared to some others so even if like our friends can't come for the full 90 minutes if they can come for the first 30 like I know a lot of people will at least show up and I, like I think we all really appreciate that like they took the time to come and like watch us even if it was for a little bit all right in all seriousness Molly what does the next week and a half look like I mean just what's what's the approach you guys are you're you did what you were picked to do now what happens how does the how does the focus shift we're just going to keep doing what we've been doing all season. We've done a great job of staying dialed and focused and we know what we have to do. We know how to prepare. This has been a long season and we've done a great job of learning how our team needs to prepare for each game, but we're just going to take it day by day, stay focused on the first game, go get that one. And then the rest is history. We're going to go get that championship and move on from there. Nikki, kind of same question for you. Just, I mean, you're in a very high pressure position as the goalkeeper. What, what do you do? Do you, do you spend mental time over the next, like, do you see the game? Are you, how are you, how are you living through the next, you know, seven, eight days? Yeah, it's a kind of, it's kind of a process. I do um, like, you know, have kind of mental rehearsal stuff, like stuff I'll go to um, usually when it gets closer to game day. Um, but other than that, like for me, it's, it's just staying in a routine, like keep continuing to do everything the same as I've been doing it all season. You know, it's, it's been working for me. I think it's been good. Um, but I'm just trying to enjoy, like, enjoy this, like, and, and keep building, um, but just kind of going through the same rehearsal and routine that I've, I've been doing so far this season. Very good. I'm very appreciative of the four of you joining today. Very excited. Valpo Women's Soccer will take on Southern Illinois or somebody else on Thursday night, November 3rd, and then the championship match will be on Sunday. Thank you guys very much for joining. And we look forward to seeing you out of Brownfield. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much.